Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. What a blessing it is to be able to sing songs of praise, to be able to pray together, to commune with one another, to give of our financial means and the cause of God, and to be able to now study the Word of God. After recently completing the Gospel of Luke, this week in our Bible reading, we're going to begin a journey through the wonderful and powerful and amazing book of Acts. This week in our Bible reading, we're going to begin reading the book of Acts. And I certainly hope you have your spiritual seat belts fastened for this journey. Because let me tell you something, this book, the book of Acts, is about a lot of different things. It's about conversions. It's about church history. It's about the ministries of both the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul. It is about the ongoing work of Jesus Christ. It is about the work of Jesus Christ continuing through his people, the church, after he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. This is something that is actually alluded to all throughout the Gospels. For example, if you remember in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 19, before he ascends into heaven to sit at the right hand of God, Jesus commanded his people to go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Mark records the Lord's great commission with these words. He says, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and, and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. Luke, in a parallel account, he says in Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 47, these are my words. These are the words of Jesus, which I spoke to you while I was with you that all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and, and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem beginning from Jerusalem. I want you to ponder what Luke says about the Great Commission and compare it to what you find in the book of Acts chapter 1. Look in your Bibles, please, at Acts chapter 1. Hope you have your Bible with you. We're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures this morning from the Word of God. In Acts chapter 1, in verse number 6, Acts chapter 1, in verse number 6, here after Jesus was raised from the dead, and after he appeared to his apostles for about 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom of God, in Acts 1 and verse 6 it says, So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, verse 8, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you should be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. 
Brothers and sisters, I want you to pay close attention to what you find in verse number eight in this chapter. Do you see verse number eight? I want you to notice how here Jesus says that his will for the spreading of the gospel was for it to begin in Jerusalem. I want you to notice how here in this verse, Luke picks up right where he left off in Luke 24. Do you see that? Luke, who is also the writer of Acts, he reminds his audience that the will of Jesus when it came to the Great Commission was for the gospel to begin in Jerusalem. And then it was to go through Judea and Samaria and eventually into all the world. That's what you find here in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. And I submit to you that this verse right here, Acts 1 and verse 8, is the thesis for the book. This is the key foundation stone to understanding the book of Acts. You see, we got to understand that as we read and study the book of Acts over the next few weeks, we're going to find ourselves reading a story that is about the spreading of the gospel throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the remotest parts of the earth. Another way we could say that is this book, the book of Acts, is a book or a story that is about preaching. It is about teaching. It's about evangelism. It is about disciples doing their best to carry out the Great Commission. This is what the story of Acts is about. And isn't that exactly what we see happening as early as Acts chapter 2 and the verses that Brother Tristan read for us this morning? Going back to Acts chapter 2 and in verse number 41, notice how after being pricked in their hearts by the gospel and after repenting or turning away from their sins, the scripture says, so then those who had received his word, some of your translations say those who had gladly received his word. I like that better. Those who had gladly received the words of Peter that he preached on this occasion, they were baptized. They were immersed. And that day, that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. I want you to picture that in your mind right now. Can you see that in your mind? Can you see 3,000 people getting baptized on the very same day? You and I both know that today in our time, we do backflips and cartwheels when we get one baptism after the end of a week-long gospel meeting, right? We're lucky to get one baptism at the, at the end of a gospel meeting today. But here in Acts 2 and verse 41, you got 3,000 people getting baptized on the very same day. They got baptized after hearing one sermon. That's what the scripture says. And I want to emphasize it in the context of this verse. The gospel is converting people in the city of Jerusalem. This event takes place in Jerusalem. On the day of Pentecost, that is important to highlight because it shows us that just as the Lord predicted and just as he desired, according to Acts 1 and verse 8, the gospel is being preached first in Jerusalem. The church begins with 3,000 people in the city of Jerusalem, but it does not stop there because you go to Acts 4 and verse 4. 
And the scripture says that many of those who heard the message believed and the number of men, the word men here is not being used generically in the Greek. The word men here is a reference to adult males. There are at least 5,000 adult males in the church at this time. That means there could have been as many as 10 to 15,000 people in the church by the time you get to Acts chapter 4. And so in Acts chapter 2, you got 3,000 people being added to the church. In Acts 4, by this time, you got at least 5,000 males in the church. And then you go to Acts chapter 5 and verse 14, and it says, And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly being added to their number. The church is continuing to grow. You go to Acts 6 and verse 7. It says, The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests, even the Jewish priests are becoming obedient to the faith. You then go to Acts chapter nine and verse 31. And it says that the churches in all Judea and Galilee and Samaria are continuing to increase. That language is important to highlight because remember that's what Jesus says he wanted. He wanted the gospel to begin in Jerusalem and then go throughout Judea and Samaria. Isn't that exactly what this verse says is taking place? The gospel has gone from Jerusalem throughout Judea, and now it's gone through Samaria. The church is continuing to grow. You go to Acts 12 and verse 24. It says the word of the Lord continued to grow, and it continued to be multiplied. The church is continuing to grow at a rapid pace. And then you get to Acts 13. And in Acts 13, we learn that just a few years after he became a Christian, Saul of Tarsus, the man who at one time persecuted the church, he's starting to take the gospel to various parts of the world where it would be preached for the first time. In Acts chapter 13 and 14, we find Saul of Tarsus, a man who's now a Christian. He's taking the gospel to Cyprus. And he's taking the gospel to Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derby. You go to Acts chapter 16 and 17. You find Paul taking the gospel to Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and even the idolatrous city of Athens. You go to Acts 18 and 19. And now he's taking the gospel to the wicked and moral city of Corinth. And he even goes to the city of Ephesus, the place where the great temple of Artemis was located. My dear friends, there's so many other verses that we could put on the slide behind me this morning, but I think you see the point. I think you can see that this book, the book of Acts, is a story about evangelism. It is a story about preaching and teaching the gospel. It is a story about disciples taking the glorious news of Jesus Christ to as many people as they could. That's what Acts is about. And I want you to please pay close attention to that. As we read this book over the next six weeks, please pay close attention to all the different places where the gospel is preached in the first century. Please pay close attention to the evangelistic zeal and passion of the early saints. Please notice how despite being heavily persecuted by the Jews in their time, they would shut up about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
despite being threatened with imprisonment and even death, the early brethren, they preached Jesus everywhere. They preached the gospel in the streets and in the synagogue of the Jews and from house to house and in governor's palaces and in prisons and in marketplaces and on ships and chariots and upper rooms and even on riverbanks. In fact, the early saints were so serious about the work of spreading the gospel that notice what the Apostle Paul says, going back to where, where Brother Brian led us from this morning in Colossians chapter 1. Look at Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 5. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 5. Paul said these words to the church at Colossae. He says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in what? Just as in all the world. Just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you all souls since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Look at verse 23. Verse 23, the same chapter. Paul says, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which was proclaimed where? And all creation under heaven. And all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. It is important to emphasize here that the book of Colossians was written in about 63 AD. It was written only 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. By 63 AD, in just 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul says that by that time the gospel had gone out into all the world. By that time, Paul says that all creation had heard the glorious news of Jesus Christ. That is how serious our brethren were in the first century about spreading the gospel. That's how serious they were about the Great Commission. And wouldn't you agree that our Lord wants us to be just as serious about that commission today? Wouldn't you agree that God wants us today as his people to have the very same mentality about, about evangelism? You know he does. You know he does. In fact, brothers and sisters, if you stop and think about it, even during this time, even during a time of pandemic, even during a time of coronavirus, even during a time when schools are shut down and, and our kids have to do remote learning and, and we got to wear masks and, and we got to socially distance ourselves, even during this time, we have more opportunity and avenues to spread the gospel than the early Christians could have possibly imagined. I mean, think about it. Think about how with just the click of a button. Today, even today, you can shoot a sermon video 
maybe even this sermon video or a Bible class video or a step-by-step -step video to thousands and thousands of people on social media. You can do that just like that today. Think about how because of things like Zoom and, and FaceTime, you can actually have a Bible study with somebody who lives in another city or another country from the comfort of your own home. Think about how because we live in a free country, the greatest country in the world, the United States of America, unlike the early Christians, we don't have to worry about our government locking us up or killing us because we want to be open about our faith. We don't have to worry about our government today coming up in here and breaking up our assembly and throwing us in jail because I'm teaching the Bible. Instead, here today in this country, we have the protected right to do what we're doing right now. Here in this country, we have the protected constitutional right to preach the gospel and to teach the gospel and to invite people to services at any time we desire. Let me tell you something, the early Christians would have given both of their right arms to have that privilege. The early Christians would have given both of their right arms to have the amazing privilege to be able to teach the word of God freely at any time they desire. We have that privilege today in this country. The question is, are we making the most of it? Are we making the most of the various freedoms and the various avenues that God has blessed us with in this country to spread the gospel? I hope we're doing that. I hope we're taking advantage of the wonderful blessings God has given us in this country. I hope we understand that even though the book of Acts is a 2,000-year-old book, it's a 2,000-year-old story, we're, we're still part of that story. We're still part of this unfinished story that was started in the book of Acts. We are still part of the ongoing work of Jesus Christ because we are God's people today. We have a responsibility to be carrying out the Great Commission. That is exactly what Matthew 28 and verse 20 implies. We are part of the story of Acts, whether we like it or not. And we got to be serious about that. We got to understand that one of the great things, one of the great stories found in Acts is a story about evangelism. It's a story about preaching. It's a story about preaching the glorious news of Jesus. But not only is Acts a story about preaching. Secondly, I want us to understand that Acts is also a story about problems. It's a story about preaching. It's also a story about problems. While there is no doubt that the early Christians were very successful in converting souls in the first century, we need to understand that their success did not come without problems. Their success did not come without trials. Their success did not come without the evil one, the devil, trying to come among them and mess up their work. You see, the early Christians faced a lot of problems, a lot of problems while they did the work of God. For example, when you study Acts, you see that they faced external problems. External problems, as I stated earlier, the early disciples certainly faced persecution in their time from those who opposed the gospel. That is a theme that weaves its way all throughout the book. For example, as early as Acts chapter 4. 
You can read about two of the apostles, Peter and John, being arrested because they preached the good news of Jesus Christ. You then go to Acts chapter 5, and there you see that all 12 of the apostles are arrested and, and beaten and threatened because they preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You move on to Acts chapter 7, and you find the persecution of Christian reaching its climax because there we, we find a Christian named Stephen being stoned to death because he preached the gospel to the Sanhedrin council and they did not like what he had to say. In fact, that terrible event that took place with Stephen actually motivated Saul of Tarsus to launch out on a vicious assault against the church. In Acts chapter 8, we read about Saul leading this huge effort to persecute the church. In fact, this persecution was so great that it forced the church in Jerusalem to scatter throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Saul is persecuting the church in Acts chapter 8, but ironically, when he becomes a Christian himself in Acts chapter 9, because he starts preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, some Jews, some very people that he was in allegiance with for a time, they form a plot to kill him. They try to take his life, and so he has to get out of the city of Damascus. And then when you go to Acts chapter 12, you find Herod killing the apostle James. And you find him throwing the apostle Peter in jail. And then in Acts chapter 14, you see Paul who was one time going by Saul of Tarsus on his first preaching trip, he is stoned and drugged out of the city, left to die in Lystra. By the power of God, he's able to survive that stoning. The early Christians faced all kind of external problems. But not only did they face external problems, they also faced internal problems. They faced external problems. They faced internal problems. By internal problems, I mean that the early Christians faced some growing pains. They faced growing pains. They had disagreements. They had fusses. They even had fights amongst themselves. I'm reminded first of what you find in Acts chapter 5. You remember Acts chapter 5? Remember in Acts chapter 5, we find an ugly event, an ugly event taking place in the church. Remember how as the benevolent needs among the brethren arose, a Christian couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira were struck down dead by God because they lied about their generosity. The text says that they wanted their giving they're giving to the brethren to appear to be more generous than it really was. Because they were dishonest, because they lied, God struck them down both dead on the spot. And that moment, that event brought great fear on the church. In Acts 5, you're dealing with some dishonest Christians. But now look at Acts chapter 6. Look at what the Bible says in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 verse 1. In Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1, the Bible says this. It says, now at this time, at this time while the disciples were increasing in number, notice that, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. 
Notice how as the church is growing, it's growing. Success is taking place numerically. A problem pops up. And then how it goes. Church is growing. Church is experiencing great success, but the devil sneaks in. A problem arose among two groups, two groups of Christians in the church. The Bible says that the Hellenistic Jews, that is those Jews who had taken on the Greek culture, they were upset because they felt that the native Hebrews were getting special treatment when it came to the issue of benevolence. In other words, the Hellenistic Jews felt that there was partiality being shown in the church. They felt that there was favoritism being shown in the church. They felt that there was even prejudice taking place in the church. And so in Acts chapter 6, we, 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 read, we read about these accusations of partiality taking place in the church while the church is growing. And then you go to Acts chapter 15 and you find two problems, two internal problems taking place in the church. The first one has to do with the issue of Gentile salvation. You see, there were some Jews going around. They went from Jerusalem to Antioch, telling the Gentile converts there that in addition to obeying the gospel, in order to be right with God, they also had to become Jews first. They also had to be circumcised, and they had to keep the law of Moses. There's a problem with Gentile salvation in the first 35 verses of Acts chapter 15. And then you go to verses 36 through 41 of that chapter and you find a sharp disagreement taking place between Paul and Barnabas. They got a major disagreement over John Mark. You see, because John Mark deserted them on the first preaching journey they went on, the apostle Paul didn't want to mess with him anymore. He didn't want to deal with John Mark anymore. He did not want to take John Mark with him on his second preaching journey. But Barnabas, being the son of encouragement, he wants to give Mark another shot because that's his cousin. He wants to, he wants to bring him along. So there's a sharp disagreement between these two brothers. And there are many other examples I could give you this morning, but you see the point, don't you? You see what I'm trying to say. You see that even though the early Christians experienced a lot of evangelistic success. That success did not come without some problems. That success did not come without challenges. That success did not come without obstacles that threatened their love and their unity. They had problems. They had problems 2,000 years ago, and guess what? We're going to have problems today, right? Oh, we're going to have problems. As our culture drifts further and further away from God, we're going to face external problems. We're going to face people calling us ugly names and shunning us because the things we stand for run completely counter to the thinking of the majority of people in our country. We're going to be accused of being too rigid in our thinking because we don't endorse divorce for any reason or denominationalism. We may even reach a point in our society where we are fined or where we are 
forced to face some legal ramifications because we preach against things like homosexuality and gay marriage and cohabitation and the murdering of the, of the unborn. As each day goes by, it becomes clearer and clearer that there's going to come a time when we may start facing some serious external problems, but not only are we going to face external problems, we we also going to face some internal problems. We're going to have problems amongst ourselves. We're going to have to deal with disciples who start living rebellious lives, and they got to be disciplined according to what you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're also going to deal with people who feel like they're not getting enough attention. They feel neglected and mistreated for various reasons, like those disciples in Acts chapter 6. Believe it or not, we're even going to get on each other's nerves at times. We're going to make each other's blood pressure go up at times. We're going to have strife. We're going to have internal fusses. We're even going to have disagreements in matters of judgment. Let me tell you something. Those are the kinds of things that happen in all families. Those are the kinds of things that happen in all churches. I don't care what church you go to in the valley. I don't care what church you place membership in the state of Arizona or in this country or around the globe because churches are made up of people. You can't escape that kind of stuff. You can't escape those kind of realities. We got to understand that those are the realities on the ground. Those are the realities that come with being part of any church. I don't care what time you're in. I don't care where you are on this planet. Because churches are made up of people. Imperfect, sinful people like me. We're going to have problems. Going to have external problems going to have internal problems. We find that all the way back in the book of Acts, right? The story of Acts is a story about preaching. It's a story about problems, but then third and finally, I need to say this. The story of Acts is also one about perseverance. When we say perseverance, we mean that no matter what obstacles came their way, no matter what problems arose, the early Christians, they never quit. They never gave up. They, they, they never lost sight of their mission. You don't read in the book of Acts about Christians because they can't get along with each other. They, they split up and form three or four different churches around town. You don't read about that in the book of Acts. Now, we do that kind of stuff today, but that concept is foreign to the book of Acts. You see, in the book of Acts, we see that when the Christians had problems, local church problems, they always found a biblical solution to their problem. They always opened up the scriptures and they saw what God had to say about the matter and they pressed on and teaching the word of God. I want to show you some examples of this, okay? Look at Acts chapter 6. Go back to Acts 6 again, please. I love Acts 6. In Acts 6, you got this big problem taking place in the church. I mean, this was a big deal. This was a big deal. Anytime you have the accusation of partiality and prejudice being made in a church, that's a big deal. That can really mess your work up. And so you got the Hellenistic Jews thinking the native Hebrews are being shown favoritism when it came to benevolence, the, the widows. 
And the apostles say, look, we don't have time to deal with this, okay? We're preaching the word of God. We got to pray. What you need to do is find a biblical solution to this issue. That's what they tell the church. And so what does the church do? Well, the church appoints seven men. I believe it would be the first deacons in the church. If they're not deacons, they're certainly doing the work of deacons. And these seven men are put in charge over this work concerning the widows. They make sure that all the widows are taken care of in the church. Now look at Acts 6 and verse 6. It says, verse 6, And these they brought before the apostles, these seven men who are going to be taking care of the widows. And after praying, they laid their hands on them. They've given them charge over this work. You got this now. You're going to focus on this so we can preach the word of God and look at the result of this. Verse 7 says the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Notice no church split. No, we're too big. Let's start a church on this side of Jerusalem for the Hellenistic folks and we do a native Hebrews church over here. No, they stayed together, found a biblical solution to the problem. Word of God continues to prosper. You see that? Now go to Acts chapter 15. Remember this issue of Gentile salvation? People telling the Gentiles, people like us, that we got to also become Jews to be right with God? That was a big issue. That's a salvation issue. And in Acts 15 and verse 6, it says that the apostles and the elders, the elders in Jerusalem, they came together to look into the matter. Notice how they sit down. They're going to have a Bible study. We're going to look at what God has to say. We're going to look at what the Holy Spirit has to say. When you read the rest of this, you see that after having that Bible study, after looking at what the Holy Spirit has already said about this issue, it was determined that Gentiles did not have to become Jews first in order to be right with God. They didn't have to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. That was discovered through good Bible study. Now look at Acts chapter 15. Remember this issue between Paul and Barnabas. They have a sharp disagreement over John Mark. Paul says, I don't want to deal with this guy. I don't want him going with me on my second journey. Barnabas says, I do. Who's right? I say Paul. You say Barnabas. It's a matter of judgment. Okay? And so verse 39 says, what do they do? And there occurred a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. What did they do to solve this problem? Well, instead of allowing a disagreement over a matter of judgment, not doctrine, it's a disagreement over a matter of judgment. And instead of allowing that disagreement to hinder their work for God. The Bible says they decided to find a solution. They decided to do God's work in different places. Paul says, I'm going to take Silas and I'm going to go to new territory. And Barnabas says, I'll take Mark and I'll go back to Cyprus. Neither one of these men allowed God's work to suffer because they had a difference in a matter of judgment. You see, no matter what problems came their way, when we read Acts, we're going to see the early Christians always persevered. They always stayed focused. They always found biblical solutions to their problems, and they put God first. That's what they did, and that's what we got to do.
You see, while we're going to have problems and bumps in the road from time to time, while those things are inevitable in every church, we must never let those bumps in the road hinder our work for God. We must never let our problems, whatever the problems may be, stun our growth when it comes to spiritual growth and when it comes to numerical growth, whenever we have differences in matters of judgment, and whenever we may start becoming suspicious of one another, and whenever we start facing threats, even from those on the outside, like the early Christians, we got to always stay focused. We got to always allow the word of God to guide us. We got to always have enough love to sit down and talk and work out our problems. We got to be patient with one another. We got to remember that this work we are involved in is the most important work in the world. And it's so much bigger than our egos or our personal opinions. No matter what challenges come our way. We got to make sure that the work of God in this place always moves forward. Like it always has for so many years because of great leadership and great servants. All I'm trying to say is the early disciples. When we read this book, and I'm excited about it. When we read this book, we're going to read about disciples who were serious about the mission. They were serious about the mission of spreading the gospel, and we got to be just as serious about that same mission today. Today, we got to be serious about planting the gospel in as many hearts as we can, because let me tell you something, my friends, the gospel is still powerful today. The gospel is still glorious today. The gospel is still capable of converting every person. Just like it was converting people 2,000 years ago. The question is, is there somebody here this morning who needs to obey the gospel? Is there somebody here this morning who needs to put on Christ through baptism? If so, then I want you to know that we got water right here. It won't take long at all. This morning, right here and right now, you can become part of the great story of Acts. You, too, can be added to the Lord's universal church, and you can then join yourself to this local church, and you can help us as we labor together in the cause of God. You can do that today if that's your need. So we're going to sing a song of invitation. Are you washed in the blood? And if we can help anyone get washed in the blood of the Lamb for the first time, let us help you with it right here and right now as we stand and as we sing.